0: Founded in 1682 by William Penn, Europeans first settled in Pennsylvania in 1637, although several tribes of indigenous people occupied the land for centuries before this. Pivotal in the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution, and the United States Civil War, it is no surprise that with such a rich history, our state has developed a culture that is distinctive and multifaceted full of legends and real life heroes who risked everything for their beliefs, today, Pennsylvania retains strong elements of folk culture developed by a combination of ideologies practiced by the varied ethnicities of original settlers, Native Americans, and shared experiences. Legends and lore passed down over centuries reveal philosophies that are as superstitious as they are religious and even scientific resulting in a microculture found nowhere else. You are listening to Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore, where we believe that behind every great story, there is a nugget of truth. In each episode, your hosts, Ethan and Holly, will attempt to uncover that truth and preserve a part of our incredible Pennsylvanian lifestyle.
1: Welcome back to Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore. I'm Ethan. And I'm Holly. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the town of Alvira, Pennsylvania.
2: And we're going to differ here because you say Alvira and I'm going to say Alvira. That's fine. <laughs> we're not 100% sure on the pronunciation. Okay. Um, so we are talking about the same thing. We're just going to pronounce it a little bit differently as we go through here. Yep.
1: One's going to be correct, the other is wrong
2: sassy today.
1: December seventh, 1941 was an infamous date that not only launched the U.S. involvement in World War II, but also defined the beginning of the end for the central Pennsylvania town of Alvira and the lives the people of that community had known. Unlike the war, Alvira's ending would be swift and almost unnoticed, which was exactly the way the U.S. government wanted it to be. They knew that on the evening of March 7, 1942, at the Stone Church in Alvira, a promise had been made to the residents that the U.S. government would sell back the property taken from the residents by eminent domain for the War Department's use. And the government knew the promise would be broken.
2: So a little bit of history on Elvira. So for over 200 years, the Colbertson Trail, which is now no- known as Alvira Road, connected Allenwood with Elamsport and the rest of the White Deer Valley. So as it passes through the village of Alvira, originally founded as Wise Town in 1825, homes, churches, businesses, and a school graced the sides of the street. Until the close of 1941, and for at least 100 years before that, Landowners in Alvira and the surrounding area owned thousands of acres of prime farmland that they faithfully tended and that served them well. Alvira was a flourishing community until the federal government condemned and purchased and took by eminent domain the properties from their owners in the summer of 1942 so that their entire town could be leveled and turned into a TNT manufacturing plant and and storage facility known as the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works, or POW. But just 11 months after the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works started manufacturing TNT, it was closed due to a lack of need for the TNT being made and stored there. And while the residents had been promised that they could buy back their land after the war, that promise was broken. The federal government instead kept the land and gradually divvied it up. Today, only crumbling foundations hidden beneath thickets and choked by foliage remains. Ghost of what had flourished there.
1: It definitely is creepy there. I've been there, there's ponds that you can fish on and it's a little strange. The bunkers are just like covered in ground and trees growing out of the tops of them. And it's interesting. How big are they? They're pretty big. Uh, I don't remember the exact dimensions, but they're large.
2: Like, how much TNT would be in one bunker?
1: I don't know on that. I'm assuming they didn't pack them full of TNT, but...
2: I don't really know how you, how you store it.
1: It's just a big dome bunker. So
2: are they just made out of, like... Concrete. Concrete?
1: Yep, yeah, with a big steel door.
2: So how do they make and them so... And a hole on the top. So is the hole just in case it explodes?
1: Yeah, I think that the hole is for... Maybe some ventilation, but I'm assuming if it explodes, it lets most of the energy out of the top, so it doesn't blow up all over the place. They were designed to blow in. Um, out upwards and not up outwards. And not out. Stuff, yeah. like to that's like they don't. chain reaction.
2: So how far apart are are each of them? I've never seen them.
1: Uh, I don't know. They're 47 see feet all. in
3: diameter, 24 feet high, and, and constructed entirely of concrete. How much they held varied, but they could hold up to a thousand pounds of TNT each. Oh my.
1: It's really not a lot when you think about it. Birds. But you don't
3: want it exploding. Well, They're putting no. out 650 pounds of TNT a day at the Ordnance oh.
1: works
2: in 50 pound boxes until they could ship it out. So like one bunker would hold like a day's worth of TNT. A little bit more. A little bit more, but like that's a lot. It would fill over half of it in a day. Yeah. That's crazy. So in the 95 years of its existence, Christ Lutheran Church, lovingly nicknamed the Stone Church, had come to symbolize the Elvira's community spirit, sacrifice, and strength. The church was the community meeting place and a haven for villagers during the Civil War, World War I, and the Great Depression, and the recent attack on Pearl Harbor, which ignited World War II. The local citizens of Algaira rallied behind scrap metal and tire drives. They rationed gasoline, butter, and silk, embracing the same spirit of sacrifice that they had practiced in the not so distant past. But even the most supportive of war efforts could not have imagined the level of sacrifice that would be demanded of them. Over 300 people attended the first meeting at the Stone Church on Monday, February 16th, in 1942. The purpose was clear to oppose the increasingly loud rumor that had been circulating since December, which hinted that an action by the government would be taken to build a huge factory in the town. A petition to c- containing 400 names of residents, business owners, and officials was sent to the government asking that in seeking land for the war purposes, it consider the number of homes to be broken up, churches to be torn down or removed, and cemeteries to be desecrated, but they received no reply. A petition was filed by the government in March of 1942 in the federal courthouse in Scranton seeking the right of immediate condemnation of 7,604 acres of the White Deer Valley and possession of all the properties within the ordinance works, as well as other properties outside of the ordinance fences. The petition was granted almost immediately. On March 7, 1942, the War Department played its hand. Over 400 angry residents attended the second stone church meeting where the fate of their town was announced. At this time, Mr. Walter E. Sherwood regional manager for the real estate branch of the ward department told residents that at least 50 properties would be com- confiscated. No information regarding the boundaries of the land that would be taken or the purpose for which it would be used could be given. In reality, the War department had conducted a charade at the stone church, Prior to March of 1942, Stone and Webster, the general contractor, had been awarded 15 million, a $15 million contract by the federal government and the U.S. Rubber Company was awarded a War Department contract to operate a TNT plant in central Pennsylvania. By the time of the groundbreaking for the POW on April 14, 1942, Alvira was already gone. Over 200 properties on 8,500 acres had been seized by the government. On April 22, 1942, the Montgomery Mirror reported that Colonel T.C. Gerber, commanding officer of the POW, promised that every effort would be made to retain intact improvements such as buildings, barns, and live trees should the land be restored. It might be that many families would return to these, their homes again and use the land for farming. His final statements about the POW after its purpose was released were that no landing of projectiles or bombs would be done in this vicinity. So that just goes to show you that they had, the government had a plan in mind. It didn't matter what the residents said, what they wanted. They wanted this land for this sole purpose and they were going to get it no matter what the people who actually lived here and had lives here and families and businesses didn't matter what they had to say. It's really sad and kind of scary.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, another example of the government doing. What they want regardless of
2: who it affects
1: yeah or what the people of those of the town think and honestly i'm sure the people were upset but at the same time it was a major war it was important to have supplies i'm sure some of them came to the conclusion that okay hey we get to buy this back and we'll get our land back after the war is over which ultimately is not the case which is
2: but obviously if they knew what they were using the land for which it sounds like they knew that from the get-go, you know, they were going to store this TNT there. How profitable would their land be after having these substances on the land? And where where are all these bunkers going to go?
1: Yeah, it just kind of goes to show you that people say you can't trust the government anymore, but it appears you couldn't have trusted the government then.
2: Well, and yeah, in the scheme of things, what's 400 people to them who are out of their homes. You know, they want to do this and putting a couple hundred people out of their homes isn't a big impact for them, which is sad.
1: Correct. Residents were given six weeks to leave their property, just six weeks to pack up and move everything they owned, including livestock. Properties were purchased by the government for 30 to 35 cents on the dollar a fraction of the actual worth. Families who resisted the low ball offers could appeal, but the efforts would hardly be worth it. It was a battle they could not win, as their properties would then swiftly be taken by eminent domain. My great-grandmother was actually carried off her front porch and her house was torn down by a bulldozer, says historian Paul C. Metzger. Uh, There is There will be a link in the video to see his um, statements from the PA homepage.
2: But That's so sad. It's like so sad. Like she couldn't live out the rest of her life since clearly she couldn't leave the house of her own free will. Like she had to be carried off and couldn't live the remaining who knows little of her life. Like in a house that she probably grew up in and her family probably lived... Close by or maybe they had a farm in the area. Like that's just so sad.
1: Right. Yeah. It I have strong feelings on certain things and I probably should keep them to myself.
2: Well, that's all we're doing a podcast for.
1: Yeah. Don't need to anger anybody or upset somebody.
2: Uh you do that to me all the time. Do it to our listeners too.
1: That's my job. (laughs) As the few remaining families left their homes and farms for the final time. It was in the shadow of the smoke and flames. Huge bulldozers were in the process of leveling everything that stood and smoke from the burning rubble choked the valley. Despite assurances, only a small handful of landowners would ever be given the opportunity to purchase their land back. There'd be no place to return home to.
2: Could you imagine as you're leaving and seeing all of this, like your town, that you grew up in just being demolished like it'd be sad to to even want to come back like it because it wouldn't be the same they're just destroying it
1: yeah yeah again it was i would say a little bit of a different time back then and
2: i guess they, they may be more willing to sacrifice their homes in order to promote the war effort but still like how could you watch like a home you grew up in or like a business that you used to go into or the church you grew up in like just being torn down
1: right i'm like i'm not disagreeing with you but
3: meg here just interjecting a little bit in some of the research i was doing yes this was world war ii time but some of these farms had been in place since the United States was settled. Some of them were 200 plus old farms where families had lived generations after generations tending this land, raising livestock, planting crops.
2: You know, people So this is were, where like your entire family has grown up. Born, right. died, buried. And, and you're given no, pretty much nothing for what it's worth to just right. walk away and you have no choice.
1: Right. I, under, I understand that just sad it is unfortunately this is things that happened during wartime and well, that's then the promise a harsh reality right, to, to right. they should not have been given false correct. hope yeah. of correct the that's, possibility of coming back that's the i mean obviously it's horrible these people had to be removed from their homes and they picked a town to demolish instead of land some you know a separate piece mm-hmm. of land but yeah. They should have just never told them they were getting it back. That's my big problem.
2: Yeah. They should have said,
1: we have to do this. It's Like, it wasn't necessary. Effort.
2: It wasn't necessary for them to tell them right. that they'd be able to buy it back.
1: They could have just said, hey, we'll see what we can do and see if we can get you your land back. But
2: but not even that you could just have it back. Like, you would have to buy <laughs> it back. Buy it back.
1: <laughs> Correct. In less than four months, the houses, farms, and properties that comprised Alvira were obliterated. 11 months of intense labor transformed Alvira farmland into a $50 million dynamite production complex run by 3,500 workers daily. 150 storage bunkers, 17 miles of railroad track, 55 miles of road, and 300 buildings replaced what was once the town of Alvira. The bunkers were built in igloo shapes with thick walls That were designed to explode upwards in the event of an accidental explosion. In February of 1943, the Pennsylvania Ordnance Work began operations and TNT was streaming from production lines at a monumental rate. But a a plant seemingly built to last forever existed as a production facility for only 11 months. On April 15, 1944, The POW ceased production of TNT and closed its doors permanently. Atomic research being conducted in the desert of Nevada and New Mexico, codenamed the Manhattan Project, was so promising it was clear that the days of TNT as a major engine of weaponry were ending. There is a cruel irony here. The government moved people off their properties and demolished their homes for something that would presumably have lasted for a while.
2: Do you imagine, like, 11 months later and it's just
1: done? Right. Like,
2: it just that would add fuel to the fire of, like, how angry I would be having to leave. They just demolished everything, built these bunkers, and they're like, oh, well, I guess we don't have a use for them anymore.
1: Right. And again, you have no—this is just, again, my opinion. I love World War II. That's my sweet spot, but— You have no idea. There is a war going on. You have no idea if it's going to end tomorrow, if it's going to last another 10 years. So they have to have a stockpile of munitions or if we run out, then we start losing.
2: I get that, but having to like watch it and then have it not even a year later, like
1: it's just done. I understand. I'm not, again, not disagreeing, just pointing out observations. So an interesting
2: question that I had that I'm glad we addressed is, why was the town of Alvira chosen? So Alvira was among uh, 76 similar sites during World War II. The town of Montandon escaped the same fate because it was in a floodplain. And the site was likely chosen for its proximity to the Reading Railroad, makes it, which makes it easy to transport materials into the facility. And it was also remote enough to keep the activities somewhat private and out of view. The tractor was large enough for the 150 bunkers planned to store the TNT with the appropriate safety radius around each one. If a bunker did explode it needed to be placed far enough away from the other bunker so it did not cause another bunker to explode preventing a domino effect. Another consideration may have been the proximity to the Susquehanna River which could provide the water needed for the TNT plant. A river pump house and dam were constructed on the east side of the highway near the river.
1: The POW was redesignated as the SOD, the Susquehanna Ordnance Depot, and it would function to store and maintain munitions and to transfer artillery across the nation. On October thirtieth, nineteen forty-four, the Surplus War Property Division Posted 8,500 acres of the sod for sale, cautioning that much of the land might be contaminated with acid and the few remaining structures had a five-year life expectancy at best. Considered a burden, the SOD still at 8,500 acres was deactivated on December 31, 1950. By this time, most Alvirons had come to the terms with their fate but now it seems the long promised return of the land to the original owners could be realized, but this was not the case. Instead, several uses for the abandoned operation were considered, including a static test house for a top secret project called JADO, short for Jet Assisted Takeoff. The intent of this project was to develop an engine that could counteract the low speed thrust problem encountered by warplanes in short runway situations. This project lasted from September of 1944 through mid-1945, when attention was turned to using the facility to store 1.7 million tons of ammo returning from World War II. However, a vital part of aviation history was developed here that allowed for the universal use of aircraft carriers as the staging assets for heavily armed fighter planes during the Korean and Vietnam wars. Another considered use for the property was a mental health facility for juvenile delinquents. The PA game commission wanted the property for deer propagation. In August of 1950, the army requested the use of the land for testing of its top secret ripper technology, which were the final military tests done on the property. In October of 1950, the Lycoming County School Board requested that 284 acres be donated for educational purposes, specifically to test crops, study conservation, and reforestation. This failed to materialize. The Defense Department wanted to turn the site into an atomic research facility, and ironically, another plan was to turn the site into the first United Nations headquarters. The most sinister plan was to create one of six detention centers here that would house those deemed enemies of the state. There was already a makeshift minimum security prison camp located on the property for the trustees of the Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. On April 23, 1952, this detention center was activated under the control of Colonel Guy Rexrode who was proud to admit he had found and created space to house over 4,500 potential detainees. When asked who would be f- filling the beds, Rex Road replied, So far, orders are for males only, but I'm sure women will be here too. Probably whole families. Whole families, that is, of American citizens. In 1956, the Federal Bureau of, of Prisons began construction on the site for what would eventually become Allenwood Federal Prison Complex as we know it, one of the largest federal prison facilities in the United States and largest in Pennsylvania. Following the government's takeover of Alvira, the only promise made to the citizens that held true was that the cemeteries around the village were not desecrated. These sanctuaries possess both Revolutionary and Civil War graves with the stone church graveyard providing the resting place for the second largest number of Revolutionary War veterans in the county.
2: At least they left those alone.
1: Yeah, so, that would be pretty... Like,
2: can I just, like...
3: Sorry, Mike, you're good. No, you're good. Like, did you get the thing about the detention camp? Do you remember, yeah. like, That's all the, the Japanese detention camps? It happened here, and Allenwood Federal Prison mm-hmm. was created from that detention camp. Right. And those were just American citizens. Mm-hmm. Those are American families. And mm-hmm. they just decided something right. race a red flag. Right. And right. so we're putting I mean it started with men. I don't know if it ever ended up being women and children too, but
1: Yeah, that's it's
3: a little creepy. That it happened here.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Thankfully nothing ever seriously materialized out of it, but still.
2: So how the land ended up being divided in nineteen fifty 4,200 acres deeded to the U.S. Bureau of Prisons, and this is where the Allenwood Federal Prison Complex and the landfill are now located. In 1952 and on, only about 500 acres were ever sold back to their former owners at an average price of $40.80 an acre, which is a lot more than what... 35 cents what is it, what they got. Yeah. What they sold it for. So it's... Yeah. If they If oh they wanted God. to buy it back...
1: They would buy it for more than they got
2: for way, way more than what they had to sell it for. Right. And it's not like they had a choice on what they could sell it for, they were just given an amount. Right, correct. Then in 1957, 3,018 acres were given to the PA State Game Commissions to form SGL 252, and this included the land where the bunkers are located, In 1962, 220 acres were sold to Lycoming County for $10,821 to construct the White Deer Golf Course. And in 1970 to 1976, 400 acres were given to the former Williamsport Community College, which is now known as the Pennsylvania College of Technology for Educational Use.
1: And conveniently, all of these things are still there.
2: Little remains to historically document the town of Alvira aside from a few photographs, deeds, diaries, receipts, and the memories of its former residents kept alive through oral tradition. Only the stone church, three cemeteries, and various house foundations persist as witnesses to the physical town that once existed in this area. The stone church is now within the Allenwood Federal Prison and is used by the inmates. Its cemetery is well-maintained and is accessible only to the family members of those interred in it. The church is only open to the public for special events such as the Christmas service. And we will be posting uh, some photos of the Stone Church Christmas service that was in 2018. We'll post all of that on our blog that you guys can take a look at too. Nothing remains of the munitions plant or its support buildings. The only structures left are the munitions bunkers, which are slowly being swallowed up by trees and vegetation. Most are sealed shut, but some are still accessible.
1: An interesting (laughs) theory as to why residents weren't allowed to buy their land back after the war came to light with the release of the Energy Department memo dated May 29, 1987, which revealed that between 1943 and 1944, 100,000 pounds of radioactive uranium, 234 metal turnings and waste from the infamous Manhattan Project were stored at the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works, specifically in Bunker 112, 120, 137, and 146. Another document confirmed that all magazines had been emptied of the uranium by April 26 of 1944, 11 days after the depot closed. It has been determined that the area is not radioactive.
2: But don't you think even though they're saying like, okay, it's not radioactive, it's not whatever, it's still housed this TNT for like at least 11 months. If like, I don't...
1: TNT is not radioactive. You're talking about you.
2: Whatever. I'm just saying there's, there's a lot of stuff on this land that like has the potential to harm the land, harm the soil, which... If you're a farmer,
1: right. You have to have good soil. Like
2: you wouldn't want that land back anyway.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I still it's crazy that this have been offer back to the people.
2: I but It's crazy that it us. happened so close to us that like they wanted this land. Like you just don't think like, oh, the U.S. government doesn't want central PA land for these big storage bunkers. You know, you just don't think that that's, this is the prime land for them to choose.
1: But it, it is. Well,
2: clearly it was. <laughs> it's, it's just from, it's the middle of nowhere. Right. It's the middle of nowhere. Right. Like how in the world did they but, pick,
1: cause it's the did they of, find
2: this town to be like, oh, okay, this one,
1: this one will do. It's the middle of nowhere. A major road goes by it and it's relatively close to the interstates.
3: I just think that they should have properly compensated people.
1: Right. Correct.
3: Like, if they had properly compensated people for the land... They're giving up, and by properly compensated, I'm not just talking land value. I'm like compensate them for the emotional Mm -hmm. trauma of giving up the family home that has been
2: so it's been in your land for forever. But here's six weeks for you to and
3: leave it all behind. We're gonna pay you thirty five cents for every dollar value. Right.
1: It would have been nice if they would have given them like a hey, we're making you move, but here's another property of land. At least somewhat, relatively close to, close what, you to had. what you had. And
3: the reality of the situation is, they could have done it. Mm-hmm,
1: like probably. if they
3: could have oh, yeah. made that, they made that happen in eleven months. Mm-hmm. Right. They could make. Right. They could have properly handled that.
2: Correct. They just didn't care to. Exactly. Because again, what's inconveniencing four hundred people versus what they think is going to be a long term more effort to have these, this ammunition here. It just, it's sad that it didn't, they didn't do what they should have done.
1: Right. Correct.
2: So I think we're going to do some more follow-up on the bunkers because you can actually go out and see them. I mean, the the vegetation, as we said, is getting a little thick and vast out there, but, but you can actually go out and see them and... I think some of them may still be open. There's a couple.
1: Here's one that you can still go in that's open that I know of, or two.
2: So we'll do another follow-up episode on going out to the bunkers and some do's and don'ts for going out there and see what they're like. Cause I've never, I've never seen them.
1: Maybe do some fishing while out there.
2: Like I'm sorry, after reading and like
1: doing oh, this what's
3: research the research and finding out like they <laughs> couldn't resell the land right. because there's. <laughs> and or potentially uranium po- like poisoning that land, why would you fish? Not Hopefully
1: come. you don't eat
3: that. No, I back,
1: back get, catch and release for
3: the most part. Right, and that also, to me, makes no sense. Why would you spend the time doing all that and sitting out there doing nothing but casting a line into water <laughs> if you weren't going to have anything to show for it in the end? like the it's biggest waste of time.
1: No, yeah, it's a fun hobby.
3: You fish, I read. Yep. At least reading... Grows your mind. Mm-hmm. It's edifying. Yeah.
1: When Fishy. he went,
3: when he wants to go fishing, I'll, I'll tag along as like, long as I can take a book. <laughs> the catch and release care, stuff. It's, it's like, where's fish. dinner?
2: Why did you? <laughs> what did we do this for? <laughs> I'm not a big fan of like eating fish that like are caught either. So, like if I go out to a restaurant, like all eat fish, but I'm like to just, I don't know. I wouldn't want to prepare it right from like that's just yeah thank you Caught off on a tangent well thank you guys so much for listening again to the pennsylvania life legend and more podcast um and again we'll do another little follow-up on alvira elvira and if you guys want to check them out we'll have some little tips and tricks for you guys um coming up in the next episode
1: thanks a lot
0: If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to follow Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date on new content. Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.